So I had always like heard of Snowfall, but I never actually seen the promo for it. I thought like this was going to be on my block, but a lot darker. And instead, it was just it was it was like from the previously I could tell that this was not on my block. On my block takes place in California too, though. Yeah, but I mean like this, I because I knew that it centered around basically a kid or at least a teenager, Frank, and it does Franklin. Franklin, yeah. So I thought that they were going to have some like teenage comedy in there. But this is just a very, very dark show with, like, very, very dark themes. It's been compared to The Wire or Breaking Bad. Yeah, I put it down here. Fargo, Breaking Bad, Mayans MC, Narcos, The Wire. Some of those I haven't seen, but I can definitely tell it's the same type of tone that they're going for. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about the crack epidemic. Yeah, and I was always interested in seeing the show because I had kind of seen, like I said, the promos, and I had also seen some reviews for it that were very high. Yeah, well, the episode you watched all the way down does have an 9.1. Well, I'll start off with things that I liked about the show. At the very end, they had this cool action sequence in which Gustavo and Teddy, um, they both work for the CIA as of now, end up taking out this, I don't know like, if Gustavo house. works for the CIA. I know Teddy does. Yeah, sure well, that- well, this episode, Teddy mm-hmm. kind of captures Gustavo, and Gustavo wants to go catch these people, especially this person named Fuentes who killed uh, some people that I knew. His He's family. Like, yeah, his family. Yeah, he, he tends to know his family. <laughs> well, Teddy is like, I'm part of the CIA, kind of revealing it to Gustavo, and then he's like, which means that you are part of the CIA as well. So then they basically end up trying to find Fuentes this episode, and then the other storyline going on is we have Frank. Frank is kind of, I would say, maybe in his 20s at this point, early 20s, mm-hmm. and he's trying to get a like business deal with Paul, Um and so because paul has this like big authority thing and he's trying to build this business complex what do you mean by authority thing well you can tell that even sissy who is frank's mom when she goes to meet with paul he lives in this huge mansion that has like a ton of butlers and everything like that so, so he is he a like a money. kingpin uh i Does don't he own think a drug so. business no they he doesn't own a drug business he's like as far away from that as you can be but i think he has some sketchy stuff going on because he's really really rich and they kind of made it seem that way Okay. Like, the thing, there's a twist. I, I, like, Franklin does something in this episode. Yeah, right? it, yeah, and it was probably the best part of the episode. There's this place called the, well, it's a store that's owned by these people called the Mosleys. It's been in their family for 30 years, and Frank is What's like... What sort of store? I thought that it was more like a library because it was filled with books. Yeah, it's a bookstore. Yeah. So they, so he goes in there, and he's like, um, so I know that this place is on the fridge. You're about to close down. Uh, if you sign this contract with us... We'll be able to give you money, and it'll be in our name, the family's name of Frank's. Frank Saint, I believe is his uh, name. So the Saint's Franklin name. Franklin Saint. Yeah, yeah, so the Saint's name. But uh, we'll be just giving you money, and you'll be able to freely like do whatever you want. And they were like, sure, okay. And then they end up signing it. Now is Frank a good guy? That's what I thought. But at the very end of the episode, they pull a twist where it's like, oh, no, this protagonist is not too great because he ends up, giving that lease that basically the Mosley signed to Paul and ends up selling the store to Paul. So the Mosleys have no say in what ends up happening. And this place that had been there for 30 years and their family is now gone and not under their control at all. So why do you think they did that? I think that they were doing it, A, because the twist worked really well, because this whole entire episode is kind of about Frank. Is he a good person or is he not? Because I know that he murders someone in the, uh, must have been last season. season. Yeah. yeah, season three. And uh, because of that, Officer Nixon, who is a white cop, is very, very mad about it. It was someone that Officer Nixon knew. Is it another family member? I think so. Like his uncle or something like that. Well, it's funny because I'm not sure, but I know all the way down, 
is kind of symbolic with you might be just following his career kind of like with the breaking bad scenario mm-hmm. just watching franklin spin further and further down this hole and i think that franklin he and gets out of the drug business i believe also in season three and i think that they wanted to be like oh look he's a great guy now he's trying to help the mosleys and i think that this was just probably a twist back to show that he actually hasn't changed that much even though he's not doing stuff illegally anymore and I will give the show credit in the sense that they have a lot of characters with a lot of like stories going on. We also get like a side story kind of with Wanda, who is someone who is just completely addicted to drugs. You can mm-hmm. see it in her appearance. So um, there's a character in Show Me a Hero. You remember that TV show? Yeah. Remember there was the mom character who kind of gets addicted once her husband dies? Right, yeah. Gets addicted to, I think it was heroin though. I right. don't think it was crack. Um, and then you saw her life sort of take a turn for the worse. This one, even though I just saw her appearance, it almost seemed worse than that because she's she's literally living. Well, like, she was doing like sex for drugs at by the end, like yeah, she, her, and, and her baby was kind of just. And left in this alone. episode, she's doing so much drugs that she pulls out a tooth, and it, oh, it, yeah, it was gross, and you could see the blood just run out of her mouth, and I was like, oh, that is that's disgusting, but it was very, it looked very realistic at least. Mm-hmm. And there's actually a story behind that. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 um, I will tell you the story about how this show came to be, though. Uh, you had a guy named Eric Amadio, and I believe it was his idea, which was presented to Showtime in 2014. But they didn't, I guess, continue with the uh, pilot. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it's on FX because it's something kind of different. But also, I don't think it could be on like a regular like ABC, CBS show because it's just way too dark for that. Well, it's funny you bring up CBS because we will be talking about them in a minute. Eric Amadio, he, this script is kind of just in the whirlwind of hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he gets teamed up eventually with John Singleton, who at one point was nominated for Best Director at the age of 24. Jeez. Youngest person ever to be... Uh, what was it, what was it for? For Boys in the Hood. Oh, okay. Uh, with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ice Cube and Larry Fishburne. Yeah, this probably... <laughs> Larry Fishburne. <laughs> His name, I, like, I read it first and I was like, no, that's Larry Fishburne. All right. Um, yeah, he died in 2019, oh. but he obviously had a lot of input in this script, and he was one of the show creators. I was going to say, the show kind of also reminds me of that a little bit. So there's a, there, there's a lot of that in this. because A lot of what? Well, it follows, like, kind of the black community, and just kind of... Yeah, well, I know that Boys in the Hood followed L.A., and in the first season, the show tried to follow also another storyline that wasn't just South Central, which is Franklin's storyline, but also part of L.A. Mm-hmm. But that part of the um, community wasn't uh, as affected by the drug epidemic. No. So this is all following the crack epidemic of the 1980s. The first season followed 1983. And they really wanted to get the story out there, so they made a pilot, but the pilot sort of sucked. The concept was good. The concept had historical uh, relevance, and the actors were really good, too. But FX watched it. They were like, no good. And so they ended up giving it over to this person named Dave Andron, Mm. who is best known for being an executive producer on Justified. Oh, okay. And one thing I learned in one of the interviews that he did was actually in the pilot for Justified, they did a census of, like, how it came across, and they originally killed off Boyd. Yeah, I remember that. He was only supposed to be there for one episode, but then they decided and, to keep him around. Well, for the network was like, why, why, why are you killing yeah. off one of the good <laughs> characters here? So he takes over this script as well. And he takes a few months with it, tries to work, rework it, make it better. He compares it to Game of Thrones, where they ditched the pilot originally right. and they had to redo it. Yeah. Um, and he came out and the show blasted off. 
right? There's more to it than that, especially when it comes to the main character, Franklin. So what would you think of him? Not his whether he was good or bad, but whether his acting was good or bad. Well, I was going to say his acting, I think, carries the show. He's definitely probably could, the best actor Could you actor tell there. he was, or that he is British? No, I couldn't. I couldn't at all. Okay, because his name is Damson Idris. You may have seen him in the Black Mirror episode that came out, I think, two years ago with Topher Grace. Oh, right, yeah, the fifth season, episode two, I think. Yeah, the one where he's in a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and around about the time of casting, it was when Samuel L. Jackson came out saying that he was kind of upset that all these British black actors were being played, or um, uh, cast to play American African-Americans. And uh, so they were originally very resistant, especially um, John Singleton. He didn't mm -hmm. want to <laughs> hire Franklin Saint, or sorry, the guy, Gamson, yeah, right, to yeah, play him. Plays him, yeah. But he was just so good. Like, they kept he on is. bringing him back for interviews and stuff, and and he just encapsulated the part so well, and he was able to adapt the he's character. He's very good in switching his tones. Like I say, throughout the most, like, 30 minutes of this episode, he's supposed to be very nice, and you can tell that he's kind of tricking these people, but you think that he is going to let them keep the store, and then that scene when he comes in there, and he's just like, yeah, I decided to sell it to Paul, and he comes across very antagonistic. So I definitely thought it was the best part of this show. Okay, how about El Oso? Because a lot of people like his character. Oh, also, uh, is Gustavo. Oh, Gustavo? Yeah, yes. he was interesting. I wasn't sure if he was brought around this uh, season No, or he not. was from the beginning. In the first episode, I think he was seen as a boxer um, who Franklin was watching on the TV as one of his favorite boxers. Oh, okay. But he had his own storyline and, and still does. Uh, he's actually from Rambo Last Blood, which came out in <laughs> yeah. 2019. I remember, yeah. I didn't know that Rambo had another film. Like <laughs> yeah, I think they, yeah, they get. You know, Stallone is seventy four years old. Yeah, I know it's crazy. It's also crazy that he keeps on doing Creed movies. But with Gustavo, not just, not just sorry, I just wanted. But he also is doing Suicide Squad. Is he gonna be like He's a villain? Be the next one in Suicide Squad, <laughs> and I feel like it's gonna be the new Expendables. Yeah, no, because they the, they keep on casting these big names, and then it, people yeah, keep dropping out at the same it's time. Pretty, it's pretty crazy. But uh, with Gustavo's role, like in this episode, it seemed odd because it seemed like it wasn't the same show. Because on the one side, you're getting kind of this dramatic: is this deal gonna go through? Are the Mosleys gonna sign the deal? Is Paul into this deal at all? Because he's in a lot of debt. And then on the other side, you have Gustavo, who's literally trying to track down people to kill because yeah, they killed the so family. you do have the cia dynamic in the show and then you also have the south central drug uh part of the show with mm -hmm. franklin's storyline and again that's been whittled down from what it originally was too ambitious where they were having too many plot lines going mm -hmm. on and so even though the show has been highly critically acclaimed for yeah. the from the very beginning they have sort of targeted it more as time went by kind of how with justified he was talking about um the EP was talking about how in the first season they were trying to do case by case. Yeah, I remember then, that. And then mm -hmm. by the end of the first season, they kind of realized that they could do a serialized show and didn't have it, to be yeah, some It worked a lot better after that first season. Yeah. They um, also spent, like, for just facts, they spent like $500,000 on just the music choices for in the pilot mm -hmm. of this uh, show. Well, that's a lot, yeah. Because if they wanted to go with a bunch of 80s music that was, that was cool but not mainstream, that's what they were going for. And then they had like $60,000 for the rest of the budget for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's always <laughs> weird when you hear like these 80, when you see 80s films or TV shows because they, because <laughs> they always just kind of use the same rap songs. But here I thought that the music choices were done very well. Mm -hmm. um, that was my question. Teddy McDonald, he's the CIA guy. 
he has sort of taken up the mantle of the moral center of the show since season three. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, he was definitely the most likable character. You see him kill, like, six people. This guy knows how to use a gun. So it is supposed to be a grittier version of, like, Breaking Bad. And it, would you agree? I mean, is it like Banshee in that way or Sons of Anarchy? Where the no, blood... Banshee and Sons of Anarchy, the blood was like sometimes by the very end, they're just gratuitous for the sake of being gratuitous. So it's not Inglorious Bastards because I hear no. they do something Inglorious Bastards like. Well, in this episode, I think the bloodiest it gets is that two people get in a car and then Gustavo is in the back and they shoot they shoot the people in the head and then you see the car glass go incredibly bloody. But um, I thought like someone's head, don't they like carve something into it? Yeah, no. That, so uh, that's, that's what I meant by the Inglorious yeah, Bastards. Yeah, they carve this thing called a hundred or called it's a hundred thousand yeah so i think that's in like he was being blackmailed and that's why his family died or something right and and, and in the family's blood at the very beginning of the episode you see but on the work? floor said a hundred episodes did, did that seem yeah yeah it seemed it seemed like very very dark but it also was very intimidating yeah and i was just it was very strange because throughout this whole entire episode i was like okay it seems like a slow burn but then you got this like big action scene by the very end mm-hmm. um and they also showed in the previously that with frank he was part of like a big action scene that must have taken place this season as well so it seems like this is a show that like has sporadic action scenes but then like focuses on the story uh at different parts was there a character named emily rios in this episode uh not that i saw sorry emily rios is her real name <laughs> um lucia Van- villanova villanova not not from what i saw now okay so she might not be in it but she was jesse pinkman's girlfriend in breaking bad so oh, it's funny okay. that there is a connection to the actual yeah. person she was a main character i think of the first couple seasons um, there was a character named Irene. She's kind of a lawyer, and the the person she's working with, I didn't get their name, but they want to see Frank Saint go to prison because of the fact that he did murder someone. Oh, okay. So he, so the person who helps Irene with this gives her a name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Irene's supposed to be getting more information, and she's getting too close, right? Right, yeah. Well, I, I don't know if she's getting too close, but she's given a name of the handler of someone who witnessed the murder. So that's kind of where they leave the whole entire episode off at. Okay, I don't want to call it back to Sons of Anarchy too much, but doesn't that seem familiar with, like, when the detective would sort of yeah. figure out what was going on? And yeah, think? especially in the first few seasons, uh, I forgot her name, but a, uh, Allie Walker, I think, was her real name, and she was the character that was definitely evil, but was trying to kind of get closer to her. Here, would Irene... You, would you say Irene is evil? No, Irene isn't evil at all. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the writer of the episode that you watch, because mm-hmm. his name is Walter Ellis Mosley, and he's actually very well-known. Very accredited. He's an African-American Jewish acclaimed writer slash author. He's written like a ton of books. I saw his name at the end of the credits. Yeah. One of Bill Clinton's favorite authors. <laughs> okay. Um, and he's not without some drama, even just in the last Like year. controversy? Um, it's it's more of a controversy of what was what he did and not what he's written. Okay. Um, so Alex Kurtzman, do you, does that name ring a That's bell? That name makes a serious bell. But yeah, because we've talked about him before. He was the showrunner or show creator of Clarice. He also like directed right. and stuff. He's the person who was also doing Transformers and Cowboys and Aliens. <laughs> and we, 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 he's an right. easy butt of a joke sometimes. Yeah. But he was also, if you remember, given the hold of the CBS um, Star Trek universe. Right. Yeah. From Discovery. To, Discovery to lower decks, decks and all the, yeah, all the all the Star Trek stuff that they're doing. <laughs> uh-huh. But um, Walter Ellis Mosley was brought in and to be one in the writers' room of this show, Snowfall, mm-hmm. and he has been there for quite some time. Uh, obviously, puts his own like um, does personal, he produce it? No, I don't think he produces it, but he puts his own like personal takes into it. Right. And he, he talks about this stuff, and they want to get as much diversity in there, obviously, as mm-hmm. possible. So he wrote this episode. He's written a couple other ones. 
they also tried this Alex Kurtzman fellow. He brought him in to do the same thing, sort of on Star Trek Discovery. Oh yeah, and can't imagine it worked well, that well. <laughs> well, no. What happened was that a couple months in, um, apparently there was a complaint issued that during one of his meetings with the writers, he was telling a story about something that had either happened to him or that he had written where he used the N word several times. Mm. And well, he is black. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. So but... he gets a call from the showrunners or, or whoever saying, "Hey, don't do that," or normally we'd fire you. Right. And he walked like immediately, but he, I don't think he told them that he was walking. And so then it was, so written, it, was a surprise. it was written up as like an op-ed in the New York times. And it was sort of <laughs> a big deal. Cause it was like, Hey, from his perspective, he was like, I've written in tons of shows before. I know what to expect. Right. And also I was, I'm, I'm African-American and I, I can say the N word in this context. Mm. I don't need to be told or like, and so discovery has already had a few like issues with their showrunners and, and such mm. and yeah. having diversity in the workroom, like issues with that. So it is funny how like, yeah that yeah <laughs> but he did write this episode and again it's been well received thus far i i can kind of tell when a show is doing well because the reviews concentrate more on the plot elements and what is going on in the show and not about like oh this was a huge plot hole or something like that like right, yeah nine yeah. times out of ten when we do a bad show they're always nitpicking about like the small stuff this show it's like well, Franklin did this, and we don't know what to expect with this. And it was multiple different articles that I was reading. Right, and I that. like that the show is willing to take risks with a lot of their characters. Is that? Do you know if Frank, he has an uncle named Lee, I believe, right? Um, maybe. Yeah, no, he does. And so you get some of Lee's uh, character story this episode. He kind of is caring for Wanda. Again, she's a girl that's kind of crazy. Oh, that... I do know that his mom is in trouble. Yeah, right? I, was just, I was just about to bring that up. Sissy is her name. Yeah. And in this episode, they have an arrest warrant out for her because she wanted to go speak with Paul. And you're like, oh, Paul's a bad guy. <laughs> so basically, Officer Nixon ends up taking Sissy and drives to this drives her to this graveyard, takes her out of the uh, back seat, and then is like, this is the, takes her to a grave, and it's like, this is the grave that your, or the body that your son killed. Mm-hmm. And then she, and then throws her against a tree. And then I was like, oh, you're, you're like, what's going to happen? Is he going to like rape her? Is he going to kill her? What's, and then he gets leaves. Yeah, I did read one article that was like, this could have gone real bad, well, real the, fast. <laughs> and you make it... They hinted you at think, it. Yeah, because basically you see her face for a full minute, just her face and the tree branch that she's like on. So suspenseful, but not like gratuitous. Right, but it was one of those things where it was like, what what's going to happen? And it's just her face for the full minute. And then <laughs> if you pull back and then you see that no one was there. Uh, there was a really good line to come from that, though, because when they call Lee and uh, her husband and Frank... Um, Frank is like, so what ended up happening? And then she's like, nothing that I already knew. Mm-hmm. So she already knew that Frank had killed this person. So that I thought that that was a good exchange. Good reveal. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole story is trying to talk about the crack epidemic. And obviously you're wondering, like, how does the CIA play into it? They're trying to be historically accurate. And there's a lot of written material about this time in the 80s and a lot of speculation as to what was going on. There was a crackdown of drugs in the U.S. that was for drugs coming in from Florida, but that opened the doors for Mexico later mm-hmm. on, and that flooded the market, making cocaine or and crack like super inexpensive in places like Phoenix and uh, L.A. and big cities, New York, and it was literally like the equivalent of two dollars yeah. and fifty cents back then. There's a part to of buy, this to buy a gram of like cocaine. Yeah, in this episode, crack. when you see Wanda, you see people kind of surrounding her, and you're just like, oh, they're able to get cracked very easily. Yeah, but the the thing is, 
it's speculated that the uh, CIA turned their heads away, kind of, because Mm -hmm. they wanted to see these communities, which were just like working class communities a few years earlier, just destroy themselves with drugs. And so instead of like cracking down and trying to get the drugs out of there, they turned their heads the other way just to push forward the narrative of the war on drugs. I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask why. Well, like it was the Reagan time period. Right. it would be going too far, I guess, for the show. They would lose credibility if they came out and they were like, yeah, the CIA were the ones pumping the drugs in there. But no, they were saying that they just weren't doing enough well, and also to like, really shy away from them. And that there's like some memos, like there's even a, a journalist who like killed himself out of geez. possible shame for some of the stuff that he was aware of going on, the shady business by the CIA mm-hmm. not doing enough. I was going to ask you, why would you think they would do... Why do you think they were saying the CIA is bad, but then make Teddy the... Well, like, Teddy, I know in the first episode, because um, that was the plot that they were talking about at the time, he, his partner, I think, dies, and he finds out that his partner was into some pretty scummy stuff. Mm. And if you ever watch The Wire, there are very similar situations where you find out the officers, their partners, are in undercover. And even in Breaking Better Call Saul, you find out that, like... Mike's right. kid is is a good cop, but then there are bad cops. Like a, yeah, like I said, this reminds me of The Wire and Breaking Bad, not Better Call Saul, but yeah. Yeah, it's got as high an IMDb rating right now, and it seems like because Snoop Dogg is a fan, which they found out in season three at the end of it, <laughs> that they can go for as long as they want. And, uh, and, 20 seasons. But they're not sure how they're going to end it yet. Like, they didn't have a concrete idea by the time that John Singleton died, and even though he's not the only person who created the show by the way the guy who came in later got equal billing as creator because he fixed it wow oh like he was able to make it better well remember they the pilot that they had issued beforehand was never going to go anywhere right yeah but then because it was less expensive than an hbo pilot or something they did give this guy like free time to fix it up and that's what he did yeah i think after watching this isn't the episode like don't watch this episode i expect to want to watch the whole series but just from what i've heard about it and our discussion about it i probably will watch this show at some point yeah the only last bit of information i found pretty interesting was that Duke University has done a study since about the drug epidemic of the 1980s. And uh, they speculate that it's possible that the media actually perpetuated the problem as opposed to just identified it. I can see and that, it made yeah. me think of the ice cream looking situation. Obviously. Oh, yeah. It, obviously well. a different... Um, <laughs> Uh, like it hurt more this hurt yeah. way more people but also the Tide Pod ingestion thing things mm-hmm. that may have not exacerbated themselves yeah. if it hadn't drawn so much attention from just the national news I do want to bring up that by the second half of the show it gets a little it gets a little dry like it, it started to just become a little more about the drama and I kind of was having it a little bit where in the first half of the episode you were introduced to more interesting storylines however like I said the last five minutes where you get Irene's uh information Gustavo and Teddy's uh action scene and definitely Frank's scene where he screws over the Mosleys that kind of made up for whatever dryness that there was and they're, they are named the Mosleys, you said. Yeah. Because Walter Ellis Mosley is, again, the name of the writer for this episode. So <laughs> yeah. that's cool. All right. Well, that was our review of All the Way Down, Snowfall Season 4, Episode 3. Yep. All right. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Bye. Bye.